millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In this special episode of The Bell Tale, Spain 82. Up goes Billy Hamilton. On strong, yes! The football match that brought Northern Ireland together. Striding away there with Hamilton to his right. Norman Whiteside up on the far side of the area. Dual Billy Hamilton, he's got past Tendilio. And Armstrong! Northern Ireland have scored through Jerry Armstrong. And it's the 100th goal of this World Cup tournament. And it could be a priceless one for Northern Ireland. Watch Arcanada. How a World Cup win against host Spain delivered glory for Billy Bingham's boys. Billy Bingham looking as delighted as he was way back in 1957 in that game against Italy. He made the World Cup as a player and now he's taken Northern Ireland to the World Cup finals as a manager. I'm Stephen Beacom and I'm joined by Jerry Armstrong, our very own World Cup hero, and Jim Shaw, former Irish FA president, who was in Spain for that momentous period in Northern Ireland's football history. So Jerry, World Cup 1982, you scored the goal to take Northern Ireland there against Israel. What was that like? Um, probably one of the best nights I think in my, my career at uh, Windsor Park. The crowd, the atmosphere, the expectancy was unbelievable and uh, we delivered on the night. It, it had its few tense moments but um, I think I, I remember going around laps of honour about three or four times. I don't think anybody wanted to go home that night. Jerry, you have become like this um, icon of Northern Ireland sport but to score a goal to qualify your country for a World Cup you know, that must have put you in dreamland. It did. And it, do you know, it was crazy because it was a set play. And we did a little movement, like a crossover. And I thought, oh my God, we've tried that about two years now and it's never worked. And it worked that night, the crossover and the block off. So I blocked Billy Hamilton's man off and I waited for Billy getting a free header to knock it down into the, the near the penalty spot. And he put it on my left foot and I hit it on the volley and flew in the back of the net. And that took all the pressure off us. It was... Uh, in the first half and the play, we played really well after that we looked very comfortable and the fans really enjoyed it it was a great night Can you remember what the feeling was like in Northern Ireland at that time? It was a chance for people to have you know a bit of a dream and think here we win tonight we're going to qualify for the World Cup Finals and that's the pinnacle of all footballers careers you know to play in a World Cup Final and um, we were a small country we didn't have an awful lot of people who believed in us but we believed in us 
and the fans were there in their numbers and uh, it just took the pressure off everybody and for a moment we could then dream. You had six months to prepare after that for the World Cup and it was all about, yes, this is going to happen now next summer. I, I was just so proud and so pleased for, for our wee country. So Jim, before you became Irish FA president, you've always been this huge Northern Ireland fan and I know you wanted to go out there and experience it and cheer on the boys. So tell us how you got to that point where you actually ended up in Spain. Well, it all, it all starts with um, a, a, some tourist organisation in the south of England and said, would you be interested in going to the World Cup because we have accommodation in the, in the, in the right area? And uh, I went and talked to a few guys in work and they said, yeah, we'd love to go. Now, overland, obviously, it was go by bus. And uh, we ended up at 34 and went all the way on a bus from starting in the Shankill all the way to Calais outside Barcelona where we stayed in an Olympic hotel which had 600 rooms. Uh, and we thoroughly enjoyed it, obviously. Everybody did that went. What was that trip like, you know, from the Shankill Road, effectively, to sunny Spain? Well, it was it was it had its had its problems at times, but uh, generally it was very good. The bus all the way to the south of France, we left on a Friday afternoon and uh, we didn't get to the hotel in Spain until Monday, lunchtime. And there were lots of uh, issues in between, you can imagine, with a group of 34 who liked to have an odd beer, etc., along the way. But uh, we made it successfully, and then we travelled to the, th- the, two, the two venues for the three games. Brilliant. And then you're talking about those um, games. So they were um, Yugoslavia, Northern Ireland drew 0-0 with Yugoslavia. Then Jerry, you scored against Honduras in a 1-1 draw, and that set up the big one the huge game, the biggest game in Northern Ireland's history from from my point of view. June the 25th, 1982, Spain versus Northern Ireland. Billy Bingham's team had to win to stay in the tournament. In the build-up, the Spanish press, Jerry, were calling you, you and the boys all sorts and give you no hope. What was the mood like in the Northern Ireland camp running up to the match? Well, we had a game plan and it was to draw with Yugoslavia and we played really well. The last 20-30 minutes of the game we might even have won that because we played quite well. But the Honduras match, we had that down for a win. We had to beat them and we were looking for a draw against Spain. So it went the wrong way and when we drew we knew we had to beat Spain. Obviously the players were sort of apprehensive about the game because they were the host na- nation but we knew how they were going to play. And um, we had a meeting the day before and at the meeting Martin said to the lads, look, we know what's going to happen they're going to throw everything at us in the first 20 minutes of the game and he said we'll do what we're good at we get behind the ball and we'll play them across the park he said and uh, we'll create three or four chances and we'll beat them 1-0 and that was the conversation the day before but um, you know that was a great idea and Billy had us all prepared and his team talk before kickoff was amazing where he had us all fired up and of what they'd said about us in the press you know we used that as leverage so um, we went out and we were very resolute and determined and we didn't get too many chances but the referee was not particularly favourable towards us he was a South American referee and a lot of the tackles were bad from the Spaniards and uh, we started getting players booked and I knew we weren't going to get too much from him um, second half started we, we'd done well to get the half time at nil nil. and I remember playing in front of Jimmy Nickel I was playing quite deep on the right hand side and um, it was a boy called Gordillo came forward with the ball and I knew he was going to knock it out wide and I anticipated where he was knocking it now picked the ball up and ran about 40 or 50 yards and gave it out wide to Billy and then started making my way towards the penalty area where Norman Whiteside was waiting 
and Billy went past a boy called um, I don't, it was Tendelio was one of the centre halves I think it was Tendelio he went past and he, he put in an incredible cross and I hadn't gambled him on the first cross I'd sort of held on the edge of the box but fortunately the goalkeeper Argonada had came for the cross and um, palmed it straight towards me and I remember coming on to the, the near enough the penalty spot and I thought keep it hard hit it hard and keep it low I got my knee over the top of it and hammered it and it went through two sets of legs so you need a wee bit of luck Stephen along the way so two sets of legs it goes through and then there was a deathly silence and I thought he's disallowed it for something and then I saw Sammy McElroy and Norman Whiteside putting their arms up and the referee blew the whistle and pointed to the, the, the halfway line so I thought first chance we've gone 1-0 up but we hadn't anticipated later that Maldonado was going to be sent off and we ended up with 10 men so it was it had everything the game had everything we were such a resolute outfit we just they could have played on for another hour they wouldn't have scored you know Big Pat and the boys at the back John McClelland and, and Chris Nickel were so solid and um, you know we had uh, Jimmy Nickel playing on the right hand side and even with 10 men and we played 4-4-1 and we were comfortable It's worth saying at this point, Jerry, you've named them all, like, but this was the team. Pat Jennings, the great Pat Jennings, Jimmy Nickel, Chris Nickel, John McClelland, Mal Donaghy, who was sent off, Sammy McElroy, David McCreary, Martin O'Neill, the captain, Norman Whiteside, who in this World Cup became the youngest player ever to play in a World Cup, 17 years, 41 days, and it's a record that still stands today. And Jerry Armstrong and Billy Hamilton up front, and you're right, Tommy Casty came on for Sammy Mack, and Sammy Nelson came on for Big Norman. I have to take you back. You said there about Martin O'Neill called this. So Martin O'Neill, before the match, said that Northern Ireland were going to win 1-0. He called it the day before. Mystic Martin <laughs> what was that like then did you think Martin have you finally lost the plot here <laughs> it's it, if you know the way we play and you, how many goals that we concede in that World Cup you know it's one of those we beat Portugal 1-0 we beat Israel 1-0 we drew 0-0 with Scotland we drew 1-1 with Scotland I think we, could, we conceded very few goals and that was where we were very solid everybody worked hard and we never gave the opposition much much opportunities and we were good at creating four or five chances in a game and scoring so I think Martin had already worked it out in his head and then he decided to tell everybody else Brilliant. <laughs> and Billy Bingham obviously Billy has passed away and um, our condolences go out to his family and his friends um, you talked there about what he'd said about what the Spanish were saying so the Spanish were basically calling Northern Ireland a drinking team and a team that liked to go out in the booze you know so how did Billy basically motivate you guys before that match to, to show Spain that you were far more than just that his team talks were brilliant. I mean, we did great training sessions as well. We were very, very fit outfit. We trained hard for about 10, 12 days in Brighton. And the weather in Brighton was in the 80s. So that was great preparation. And we did cross-country runs. He had us running 10, 10 miles over the countryside to South Downs at one stage. And then we would do the runs in the morning and then we'd do our football in the afternoon. And, you know, we, were, we had a fantastic camaraderie. You know, the team, we loved our own company. We loved the jokes. We had great fun. We had a, a big box that we bought and we got tapes for the play and we had the music, you know, all, all day. It was, it was just fun. And everybody just couldn't wait to meet up every international. I loved it. So, Jim, how many fans were actually there from Northern Ireland for the Spain game? It, it, I think, from memory, there was about five to 6,000, which then was an enormous number to travel to, to Spain. 
you know, it compares with 58 when we had about 600 and latterly when the, when the Euros had like 25,000 probably from here. But I think it was five or 6,000, but they certainly made themselves known at the three matches. And going into the Spain game, had you any hope? Did you think Northern Ireland could pull off the, the win of their lives? Probably not, but I, I must say we weren't, uh, dis- we weren't going to be disappointed whether it went one way or the other. Uh, we were very conscious that uh, 1-0 was a super result, obviously. If we had won 2-0, would have put uh, Spain out of it. And with the Falklands War, etc., we were very conscious of that. We didn't want that to happen because immediately we had, what, 50,000 Spaniards in our midst who might turn on us uh, if that had happened. And that's how close it was. If, we, if we'd won 2-0, they were out. And what was it like whenever Jerry scored that goal? You know, well, well, I should have explained, we were sitting on the Spanish side because of where the tickets came from. Uh, 34 of us in one row right in the midst of the Spanish crowd and there was a reaction and I must say they were up shouting and moving towards us etc but the the Spanish crowd around us stopped it immediately which was very thankful of course we were very thankful but uh, yeah a great experience Uh, it was incredible Uh, and it was even worse when uh, Mal got sent off of course that was a real disappointment because there was still about half an hour to go and you know immediately you think you know we've held them for this length of time and now we're going to have to do it with one less and we did it's true Jerry. your goal is the most famous goal in Northern Ireland football history in fact I would suggest it's probably the most famous moment in Northern Ireland sporting history you know whenever you're scoring a goal like that what goes through your mind you don't think about it Stephen it's just everything that you've been training and doing from a professional fo- football point of view and um, it, ha- it was a split second but in your mind you just see what you should do and that was concentrate and hitting the ball keep it low there's bodies in front of you um, you know if you're leaning back you're going to put it over the crossbar you got to hit the target and uh, I'd had really good preparation at Watford Football Club with Graham Taylor you know he was probably the best coach I had and um, he got me in really good shape he got me very very fit Watford was a great club for, for fitness and he had me well prepared to go in and uh, to do my best and then, as Jim was saying there, Mal Donaghy got sent off. Um, so you're down to 10 men. You're fighting in this bull ring. The Spanish fans are after you. The Spanish players are tackling, like, for their lives depend on it. And you still held out. Um, uh, like, that was an incredible show of character as much as class, Jerry. Yeah, the character's there. I was talking to David McCreary last night, funny enough, and... Um, he was the one that said to me many years ago, do you know, we are talking about the games and he was saying, we were just a big band of brothers. He said, and do you know, whenever we went to, to play these matches, we were so determined and had so much belief in ourselves. It was untrue. And I, t- I talked to people and say, you know, we had a run from 1980 to 1986, unbeaten at Windsor Park. And in that period, we, we won two British championships in 1980 and 84. We beat Germany home and away, which no other nations has ever done in any competition. And we qualified for the 82 and the 86 World Cup. So it wasn't a bad wee side, I have to say. And now we're going to hear from Mike Nesbitt, who was covering the World Cup for the BBC. Mike, whenever I say the words World Cup 1982, what does that mean to you? Personally, it, it reminds me I am probably the world's luckiest man. Remembering that um, it had been 24 years since Northern Ireland had last uh, qualified for World Cup finals. Uh, I was just out of university, and yet I find myself uh, on the same plane. I'm sitting beside them. I'm going to my first World Cup. I I just felt so 
incredibly lucky. And the other thought, of course, is of the 25th of June, uh, that night in Valencia, uh, when we took on and beat the hosts. Uh, just a most remarkable memory, Stephen. Obviously, whenever you're a reporter, you have to try and be a little bit unbiased. But that night, Mike, you are a true Northern Ireland man. You must have been just in dreamland. It, totally. And, and when you think about the build-up to it, Stephen, we had, we'd started quite well in the group because we'd, we'd drawn against a very strong Yugoslavia side. And, and we all kind of thought it's Spain, Spain plus one, which would be either Yugoslavia or ourselves. But then four days before we played the second match against Honduras and to a certain extent we felt the wheels had come off because it was a scoreless draw uh, and meanwhile Spain uh, hadn't quite delivered uh, they had started badly with they also drew against Honduras uh, they then beat Yugoslavia 2-1 so their qualification wasn't uh, assured uh, and we just had a sense that you know they're going to click very soon and it may well be against us so there was no great expectation uh, that Northern Ireland were going to qualify and make their way up to Madrid. The expectation was we'd be packing our bags uh, and heading home. So it was just a, a remarkable night. And, and when you think about not just the fact that we beat them, uh, but quite early in the second half, we went down to 10 men when Mal Donaghy was sent off. Think about some of the saves Pat Jennings pulled off. Think about how hard and you know, really vicious at times, the Spanish players were. So against all those odds, to come away with a win was just absolutely fantastic. And you're quite right. Uh, the sense of neutrality as a BBC reporter uh, was long gone. Tell me this, Mike, in your opinion, and, and you've seen a lot of um, amazing sporting achievements for Northern Ireland. Where does this one rank with, when Northern Ireland went into the Spanish bullring and came out victorious? Uh, it's certainly the most memorable, but in terms of achievement, you've got to look at home and away wins against West Germany, remembering that Northern Ireland is the only nation in history to, to beat the West Germans home and away in the same qualifying campaign. So there, there are several absolutely outstanding nights uh, in my memory and, and my time uh, covering Northern Ireland. Uh, and, and Spain is certainly in the top three, if, if not number one. And again, looking back, the expectation was that, that it was a match too far, much like the last match four years later in Mexico against Brazil uh, was a match too far for us. Uh, but so to defy those expectations, uh, you, you cannot sing those praises highly enough. You obviously knew Billy well. Um, can you just give us an insight into the character and the qualities of Northern Ireland's greatest manager? I remember when, when we went out in November 83 to Hamburg uh, to try and complete the double over West Germany, I was sitting in the foyer of the uh, Atlantic Hotel uh, just with my notes and having a coffee and relaxing and suddenly this hand, this arm appeared from nowhere and started lifting my notes and I looked up, it was Billy. And he sat down and he had a wee read of my notes and he then sort of chastised me because there were a couple of negative comments in there. So, you know, I had, you know, Pat Jennings, maybe 97 for 97 caps, maybe a red 17 for 17 goals, you know, that sort of thing. But there were also a little bit of notes like bad match for England or whatever. And Billy hated that kind of negativity. So that got us talking. And I suggested to him that the Germans would be out for revenge, that they would have been so embarrassed to have been beaten by us in Belfast 
the previous year and he said no he said these guys are professional uh, sportsmen the people who want revenge will be the crowd and if we can keep them quiet for about 20 25 minutes we've got a chance and i was sitting commentating in, in an open booth in the middle of the main stand and, and at a certain point the ball was in the corner and nothing much was happening and over my right shoulder i heard a boo and i looked at my stopwatch and it was the 22nd minute of the game and at half time it was nil all and the germans were booed off by their own team bingy understood that so so accurately and then he told me about what happened the previous year at Windsor Park he said he was going out for a walk because the team were getting changed and as he went out of the home dressing room the away door opened out stepped the two superstars of the german team karl heinz rummenigge and pierre lipkowski and rummenigge ran the sole of his of his foot uh, on the old stone floor and clearly they were deeply unimpressed with this ancient small grind and then they walked out and the wind was blowing so hard the rain was coming in sideways and then they looked at each other and in that moment bingy said the match was won and lost because they looked they gave each other said we don't want to be here and bingy went back to the dressing room and he told the team and he said if you want it it's yours and they did want it and they took it ian stewart 1-0 brilliant Lovely story. And one final question for you, Mike. You are now a politician, and you know how much Northern Ireland needs uplifted from time to time. Let's look back at Northern Ireland beating Spain. How uplifting was that for the country? Well, of course, we were in Spain, so we weren't immediately aware of the enormous impact that it had. But we soon became aware that. Belfast was a ghost town apparently there were no cars no pedestrians everybody was glued to their television set everybody uh, wanted northern ireland uh, to do well and in those dark days of the early 80s you, you've got to remember that sport gave people a release uh, an uplift and hope northern ireland and spain barry mcguigan winning the world uh, featherweight boxing title dennis taylor winning the world a snooker championship these were all fantastic moments for a country uh, that was really dying giving them the opportunity to put a smile on their face and to have a different conversation so jerry what was it like when the final whistle sounded and you realized that you just pulled off the the biggest shock in the world cup it was crazy because you know you can see, I can still see John McClelland with his arms outstretched and um, running up the middle of the park. The first thing I remember when I turned round was Noel Brotherston had sprinted from the dugout, and he was my mate at Tottenham, and he jumped and hugged me. And then Billy Bingham wasn't far behind him. Everybody was on the park. The cameramen, the, it was just crazy. And we, we must have been on that park for a good 10, 15, 20 minutes. You know, and we went round to the fans. The fans were going crazy. Not, not the Spanish fans, obviously, just our fans, which Jim can, can obviously confirm. But, you know, it was just the most amazing feeling. And it's a, one of those moments that, you know, you know it's, it's once in a lifetime. And it was just superb. And Jim, from your perspective, you're sat in the stands there. Well, you probably stood up at this point when the final whistle blows. You know, you're probably thinking this is the greatest moment in my life. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. We suddenly realised that we've won this game and um, we're going to the next stage but it, it proves what uh, proper coaching good coaching can do and I, th I think the other thing that it reflects in me is the fact that it was a team effort 
It was a superb team. And as a as a team, you came together. As a country, Northern Ireland came together. Obviously, Northern Ireland was going through a really difficult period then. Tell us about um, all the messages that you were receiving from the people of Northern Ireland and beyond and how you felt that um, you'd done something really special to bring everyone together in the country. But didn't know it at the time. You know, you're still euphoric over the, the result and qualifying for the quarterfinals. So we're back. And I remember Jimmy Hill waiting for me at the, at the outside the door of the hotel and we got off the bus. And uh, I had been taken away for a dope test and it took me ages to pass some urine. But when I came in, he had champagne in a tray and he gave us champagne and we went in. And we had fans in with us and all the press. We all stayed in the same hotel. It was brilliant. And the party started and the party was going on for a long, long time. But... Um, it wasn't until the next day when um, I got up and I only had about two or three hours sleep and Billy had said to me, Jerry, come down and have a look. He said, um, there's telegrams all over the walls. He said, there's hundreds of them and they were coming in from everywhere. And then we found out about the parties in the Falls Road and the parties in the Shankill Road and people were celebrating. And it was then you realise you've done something special. And I think that was an even greater achievement for, for us as a team to bring the country together, which is something that we never thought we could do, but we did. And is it true that you got letters from um, uh, Charles Hockey? Yeah. Who was the Taoiseach? And he also <laughs> and Ian Paisley. Ian Paisley sent why well, I was reading them. I was going around reading them. I read hundreds of them. But they were coming from Australia. They were coming from Canada, America. They were coming from everywhere, you know, friends, family and friends and all, you know. But it was just incredible that we had had such a dramatic effect on our people and had made them... Well, happy for at least that day but the, the journey went on it obviously went on and we continued to, to play Austria and we played France and all afterwards and I still say Martin O'Neill's goal which was a good goal if it had a stood we would have done what we do best 1-0 up get behind the ball let's see if you can break us down and unfortunately it didn't stand and France went on to win 4-1 yep. and Northern Ireland had to come home by that stage you were home Jim how proud did you feel of that Northern Ireland team and when you came home did you notice you know um, how uplifting the country had been by what Jerry and the boys had achieved in Spain yeah absolutely um we were so excited that we couldn't wait to get home in one hand, but we were so uh, pleased in the other, obviously. And I think it's the one uh, night in, Europe, in Northern Ireland football that, that sticks out even today, 40 years later. And I suggest, and I hope I'm wrong in this, of course, but it will do for the next 40 years as well, because you couldn't have got the conditions any, any more difficult from the point of view of winning the game. And uh, we ended up winning it and getting to where we got to. And Jerry made made history by scoring that goal and he deserves all the credit he gets and I, I wouldn't miss Pat Jennings of course because in the last 20 minutes I think Pat made two absolutely world class saves that night two or three There was one moment in the 89th minute where there was a bit of hesitation when a ball was lobbed over the top of Chris Nichols' head and I think Pat was thinking Chris is going to head it and then Chris thought Pat's going to collect it and he didn't neither of them did anything and it bounced and there was a Keeney was the top goal scorer in Spain at the time and he had come on as a sub and he was looking to sniff in and get on the end of it and I remember Pat going towards it and when I look at it again there was a moment where you, your heart stops you go oh, and you don't know what's going to happen next and Pat made it look so comfortable big right hand came out and he flicked it 
over Keeney's head with one hand and caught it with the other one and then rolled over and lay on the ground. And that was the only really scary moment in the final 15, 20 minutes that we had. But again, it was Pat Janisher. He made everything look so simple. Ah, oh, what a man. And um, I wanted to ask you as well, um, Mal Donaghy, obviously he was upset at his sentence off. How did you guys lift him after the match and... Um, Tell us about the party, Jerry. <laughs> Listen, Mal was so upset because one, he knew he shouldn't have been sent off. Everybody knew he shouldn't have been sent off. But um, I don't know what the linesman said, the South American linesman, when the referee came over. But whatever he said, he turned straight away and it was a straight red. And there was nothing bad in that a challenge at all. It was a really strange decision, but that's when you think they're against us and they're going to do whatever they have to do to try and beat us by unfair means and that made us even more determined and more resolute and the party the party was absolutely sensational um, I remember going to bed about 5 o'clock in the morning and I was sitting on the balcony with Pat Jennings and Pat said you fancy a wee bit of tea and toast big man and I said yes so I had tea and toast and I can hear Malcolm Brody's typewriter going about 5 balconies down he was still typing because Malcolm was doing pieces for all around the world and it was just one of those brilliant, brilliant occasions where fans had come in as well and they were partying with us and the press were partying with us and the players were just in Wonderland at the time. It was a fantastic occasion. And Jerry, you were the man who scored the goal. In many respects, that goal changed your life as well because it wasn't too long after that that you ended up going to Spain to play and you became a real hero over in España all over again. So um, how do you reflect on that moment? And um, is it fair to say it was a moment that changed your life? It did change my life, definitely. You know, because Watford were promoted to top-flight football and uh, the first game of the season was Everton and I scored the first goal for Watford in top-flight football, which is another... You know, groundbreaker but um, I got injured a couple of months later broke an ankle in my leg and I was out for three months and I got the opportunity then to go to Spain and uh, signed for Real Mallorca I wasn't popular in a lot of places in Mallorca I did go with Mallorca to play Valencia in Valencia in the uh, uh, Louis Casanova Stadium and uh, we were losing 2-1 and I did score into the same goal again and I didn't get a good reception when I was trying to get off the pitch at the end had to get a wee bit of a police escort but it was crazy it was crazy times and uh, yes as a result of that then because I played in Spain for two years I came back and then uh, with the help of George Best I got a, a, a bit of work at Sky doing uh, La Liga for about 22 years so that was another career Jerry, you are a true sporting legend of Northern Ireland. There is no doubt about that. And Jim, it must give you great pleasure to have attended Northern Ireland's greatest sporting moment over in Spain. It's been a real pleasure talking to both of you. Jerry, all the best with the reunion. I think you're doing a fantastic job bringing the band back together. And um, uh, from uh, a sporting point of view, I am just glad that we can talk about what was just the most incredible sporting moment in Northern Ireland's history. This episode of The Bell Tale was produced by Paul Ferguson. Sound designed by Graham Davison. The clips were from BBC and ITV. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 